You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast in association with 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and uh, we're going to be trying to make sense of what we saw from the Emirates Stadium on Sunday evening. We're going to be trying to work out what's gone wrong. We're going to be discussing whether Mikel Arteta is the problem, whether he's part of the problem, whether it's not his fault at all, depending on your viewpoint. We want to hear from you guys as well in the live chat. So make sure you get involved. Smash a like button on the video if you haven't already. And to do that with me this evening, I'm delighted to welcome back after quite a while, uh, the brilliant James Cook. How you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Harry. Thanks for having me on, as always, mate. No worries. The pleasure is all mine, my friend. And um, it's just a shame it couldn't be under better circumstances. I mean, James, it's it's been a bad run for Arsenal. Uh, there are questions being asked of the manager right now. There are questions being asked of the playing staff. Some people believe that the problem is actually higher up the chain. Summarise, first of all, how you've been feeling in this last few weeks, because obviously, apart from frustration, but... Do you feel like there is a way out of this? Because it is starting to feel like we're falling deeper and deeper and deeper. And it feels like it's going to be a long road back up towards the the race for the top four. Yeah, I'm I'm just devastated, to be honest with you, mate. And I was saying it to you just before we came on. I'm just confused, as we all are, by the, the whole situation. Because we ended our season on such a high had some really good away wins, had some really good wins at home. The football was getting a lot better in that 3-4-3 system. Had some great wins against Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City. We're playing really good football, beating the big sides. But it seems that we've started this season. I mean, we've had some good wins. We had the win against Fulham, had the win in the Community Shields. The football started to tail off when we played West Ham, Sheffield United, scraping by with wins. I think now it's just a case of we've really been found out and we've been found out big time. And the, the real frustration for me is I still think there's a lot of talent there. I look at our players and, you know, these aren't rubbish players. Don't get me wrong, we've got a lot of deadbeats and a lot of players that we need to get off the wage bill. I mean, you're looking at players like Ozil or Socrates. These are players that are on big wages and aren't even registered in any of the teams, which is beyond the joke, to be honest with you. And I think that the, the main frustrating thing for me is I'm seeing us lose all these points. I'm seeing that we've lost more games than we've won this season. And I'm looking at a Premier League that is as open as it has ever been. And uh, that's the real frustrating and the real sense of um, sadness for me, really, because I think we've got a real good chance of I'm not saying we're going to challenge for the league, but top four is a genuine, genuine possibility this season. It's very much still a possibility if we buck up our ideas and start playing good football again sometime soon. We've already played a lot of tough games. We've lost a lot of tough games, but if we start winning games sometime soon, there's still hell of a lot to play for. There's 28 games left, for God's sake. But for the time being, whilst we're playing in this fashion, it's it's not fun to watch. I mean, you're looking ahead to that North London derby next weekend, and I mean, just motivating yourself to watch that. It's just... Um, it's going to be tough. Sounds bad to say, but the way we're playing, recipe for disaster next weekend. Yeah, I don't disagree. And and w- you're right when you say that the top four is not out of reach. You know, mathematically, it's certainly not. It's just that I'm more concerned right now. Like People are sitting there moaning and saying, Arsenal are in 14th place. This is an absolute disaster, et cetera, et cetera. 
For me, it's not really about the league position at the moment. It's about the level of performances. It's about the fundamental issues that we are seeing with this side week in, week out. I was saying it on a podcast just now that the lack of creativity, of course, is an issue. But I kind of, when I was seeing Mikel Arteta line up with the the three four three or the five at the back, depending on sort of the situation of the game, I didn't like it. It's not how I want to see Arsenal play football, but I kind of accepted that that was what we needed to do to get results. That was the way we needed to play to close the playing field between us and some of the, the higher quality sides. Why is it, do you think, that Mikel has abandoned that approach in the last few weeks? Because he has against Aston Villa, He opened it up a little bit more. He went with the extra midfielder. We got torn to pieces at Leeds. He added Joe Willock into the side, went with the extra midfielder again there. And he did it again last night. And yes, we didn't lose at Leeds, but we were absolutely battered that day. And we're very fortunate, in my opinion, to get away uh, with anything from that match. So is it outside influences maybe making Mikel doubt himself? The press conferences, you know, the constant asking of the questions. You know, are you like, what's wrong with your team? Why are you not creating? Why are you not scoring goals? What do you think it is that's made Mikel go, I'm going to, I'm going to abandon the good work I've done. I'm going to abandon the system I've worked on putting in place for a while and go to this new sort of system with the additional midfielder, because quite frankly, it's not working, is it? No, not at all. But I think the one thing it's pretty clear this isn't a new thing for Mikel Arteta really. When, when he first came into the club, we were playing with a flat back four and we had some really good performances. We beat United 2-0 with a flat back four. We actually played extremely well against Chelsea at home last season around this time last year and we lost that game. Um, that was when Mikel Arteta was brand new into the club, I think in that period between Christmas and, and New Year's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and that's when we had a load of players out injured as well. And I remember when Doozy had an unbelievable game in midfield and we were really unfortunate to, uh, to lose that game. But... I think it's a system he wants to play and he wants to implement, but the reality is we don't have the players to do that. And the issue is when you play with the five at the back, the three, four, three, we don't have enough creativity going forward. It's brilliant on the counter-attack when we're going to have teams press against us, when we're playing the likes of Chelsea, Man City, etc. Great for that because we can catch teams on the break with the base we've got going forward. But in terms of having a link between midfield and attack. We don't have that in that system. And uh, players like Jacker and Sebastian look so good in that system now look terrible when we're playing a back forward because it's useless in midfield. Let's be honest, they were absolutely horrendous, the two of them yesterday. Um, so it's, yeah, it's tough. It's it, it's really tough. And I think we are a team devoid of ideas. We've not got that creative link. And our midfield players take party out there and you're looking at them and thinking they're just not good enough. And that's the reality. You look at the players that we fielded yesterday apart from Aubameyang, who's really failing to score, what players are there that are going to score goals for us? Yeah, that's that's a major concern. And you, you make a great point. He he did start with a back four when he came to the Emirates Stadium, but he very quickly realised that that wasn't the way to go. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is, why do you think he's reverted back to that? Because not not a great deal has changed in terms of the personnel since then. I know we managed to get Gabriel in, who's been a pretty positive sign-in so far. Thomas Partey is currently unavailable. So what do you think it is that's triggered Mikel to going back to that system? Is it the lack of creativity? Is it the lack of goals? Because I would argue that even having gone back to it, we're still not creating any more clear-cut chances than we were when we were playing with the 3-4-3. So it feels like he's looking for a certain benefit, which is not there. He's not getting that benefit at the moment. And for me, he's got to switch back sooner rather than later because at the very least, Arsenal need to be more resilient and tougher to beat. 
throughout his tenure, that's been the thing, hasn't it? What people have been saying and praising him for. They've been saying the great thing about Mikel so far is he's made us more resilient. Well, that resilience has gone out the window of late. So I, I can't get my head around why he's changed back. Yeah, I completely agree. I do think it's been very experimental, to be honest with you. He's gone into a system where he believes he'll see more creativity in the side by adding someone like Joe Willock in there. And Willock's not really that creative type of player. Neither is Jacker, neither is Sabayas. And that's a problem right there. You've got three players that can't create, are very good at moving the ball. And I won't say creating space, but Jacker plays a very good couple of free balls yesterday. Sabayas is decent at winning the ball back. And Willock has those mazy runs that he occasionally makes. They're all very good in their own individual right, I would say. Um, but as a collective, they don't seem to work particularly well. Whereas in that 3-4-3 three, three system, what it allows for like Bellerin, uh, Saka, Tierney to do is those players can bomb on a lot more. And I feel like we create more opportunities when those players have that understanding um, alongside each other. Saka and Aubameyang on the left-hand side works really well. I think right now we're just changing too much. It doesn't help that Lacazette is so out of form. Um, this season because he was such a crucial part of the way we were playing positively towards the end of last season, I think. Him and Bamiyang were, were contributing really well alongside each other. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's a strange one. I'm not, I'm not too sure if he'll have been you know, pushed into this situation by outside influence as such. I think he's very much his own man and, and makes his own, own calls. But I think going into that game against Spurs, I would be amazed if we didn't go back to the 3-4-3 and actually see us put in a good performance. Um, I think adding in that extra centre-half and you know maybe catching Spurs off guard a little bit because they might not be expecting us to do that. I think we could see, you know, we're not we're not feeling confident going into that game, but we could see something of a, a positive performance because um, I really do think going into that game, he has to look at the way we defended recently. And I would be honestly amazed if we didn't go back to the, the, the three, five at the back, whatever you want to call it. Let me put it to you this way then. Would he have, had he been a more experienced manager, a manager who had a longer sample size, let's say, of previous experience in which to delve into. Do you think he would have he would have given up on the three four three the way he did, or do you think he would have, having been more experienced, he would have just stuck it out a little bit more? Do you think the inexperience, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is pushing him into uncertain waters, and as a result, he's making changes that might not be for the benefit of the team out of a bit of desperation. And because of his inexperience, the patience isn't necessarily there. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this, this is the thing. When Arsenal recruited Mikel Arteta, they had to accept that periods like this were somewhat of an inevitability because when you hire a guy that, OK, he's been assistant to Guardiola, great personality, great character, whatever whenever he was at Arsenal, every player who's played with him says what a great captain he was. Despite all of that, he's never managed a Premier League game. And that's something that Arsenal were completely aware of. And part of him becoming a better manager is going through experiences like the one we're currently going through. And whether that, it's entirely up to you whether you think that should be at Arsenal or if it should be at a club in La Liga or Segunda Division, whatever league it is in the world. Some would say this is too big of a job to have that type of manager at Arsenal. But I think. The Cronkies, the boards are all looking at the long term, which I definitely admire them for, because I think that's what we need. With with the situation we were in this time last year, when we just gotten rid of Emery, we needed a project to get behind. I'm still very much invested in that project, as I'm sure the boards, the people above are as well. Um, it's just, you know, Nicola Arteta not even had a year in management yet. He's won the FA Cup, he's beaten some great sides. Um, 
And there are going to be periods like this. Unfortunately, it's just part and parcel of becoming a great football manager. I'm still convinced he will become a very good manager, but there are still, you know, there's, there's no reason why you can't criticise him either um, because he does make mistakes. I think there were mistakes in all of the defeats we've had so far this season, but um, he, he is a rookie. I mean, how many teams in the league have got a manager that is you know, less than 12 months into management? You can't yeah, name exactly. one. Um, you know, it's crazy. Um, we've got such an inexperienced guy, and I, don't, I just don't think we can fly off the handle on him yet because he's got so much learning to do. He's only really had one transfer window where we've brought in two players, you know, two free players, and then if you count the likes of Mari and Cedric, which I'm, I'm not really counting, um, he, he's brought in you know, a handful of players. There's still so much work to do. I think if we go into January and we get that creative link, which... I'm crossing my fingers for, but it's by no means a certainty. If we are able to get um, the guy from Salzburg or Uar uh, from Lyon, I've butchered his name there, but if we are able to get some sort of creative player in, that could make all the difference. I'm not saying it will, but it could do. And then we can play the way he wants to play. But uh, yeah, a large part of this does come down to an experience. It's just part of being a manager. Yeah, I totally agree. My question would be, in your, and I'm judging by what you've just said that you don't think he's under pressure from the board at the moment. I don't think he's under pressure from the board. I've heard people, you know, suggesting that he should be sacked. That if he doesn't get a result against Spurs, he'll be sacked. That's absolutely not the case. Mikel Arteta, as I've said time and time again, is is here for the long term. I think the the club have made that abundantly clear based on the extra responsibility they've given him based on the fact that they did put their hands in their pockets and go out and get Thomas Partey because that's what the team of Arteta and Edu wanted. I know there's rumours that Arteta wanted Awar and Edu wanted Partey, but I mean, ultimately the point I'm getting to is that the club backed their guys uh, financially by putting their hands in their pockets and getting those players in. So, I mean... I don't think he's under any pressure from the board, and I'm, I'm assuming you agree based on what you said, but he is under pressure from some of the fans, isn't he? And this pressure that he seems to be under, it feels a little bit excessive, uh, given it's so early in the season. Would you agree with me? Yeah, 100%. And I think if fans are in the stadium for that game last night, then it's a different story. It's, um, I think he would realise the gravity of the situation. Not that I'm underestimating that he's not aware that fans are unhappy, but I think if we had supporters full capacity in the ground last night, the boos of all time, you know as well as I do, they would have been raucous. They would have been so yeah. loud. Even at half-time, it would have been really, really bad, um, as it would have been for the Leicester game. As I mean, for the Villa game, my God. that The stadium would have been empty after 70 minutes. Um I mean, really, it, it, it would make a huge difference if supporters were in the stadium, in my opinion. And that, that could put pressure on the board, which then in turn puts pressure on Mikel Arteta. And that's when, you know, you could maybe with a bit more seriousness talk about him losing his job. Um, I personally don't think that's even, even going to happen in the next year or so, because um, it would be, you know, it's going to divide opinion. I think it'd be a ludicrous thing to do because who else is out there? I don't want us to become a club where we get rid of a guy after a year, get rid of a guy after a year, because then you turn into Manchester United, who just yo-yo between being good and bad. Um, I want us to a long-term project to get us back to the best where we possibly can be. And the only way we're going to do that is with stability and consistency. And I fully believe that he's the right man to do it. But uh, like we mentioned previously, it's just it's just a case of inexperience at the moment. It's such a... When you think of a, a manager's career, what is Mikel Arteta? He's 30... 38, 39, um, he's potentially got another 30. If you look at Roy Hodgson, he's got another 40 years left in him. 
potentially. Um, so, I mean, he's got a hell of a long way to go. So uh, I've still got, you know, complete trust in him. It's just at the moment, when you look at that game against Spurs coming out, if we, if we lose that badly, um, there's going to be a, a torrent of negative press his way. Um, but uh, like you say, I think his job is is very much safe and secure. And I think in the next couple of transfer windows, we will see investment in the squads. I really do. I think there's a lot to be excited about in the transfer market because Gabriel and Partey, two excellent signings if we can make signings of that caliber on a regular basis then i think we'll we'll rapidly see us become a, a much better side the, the, you know the signs are all there we've seen very good performances but we've also seen very bad performances so we know what we're good at we know what we're bad at and right now we're just going through a, a very very poor patch and like i said to you previously i'm just confused as to why it is um becoming so poor yeah i, I think you're absolutely right i think it's a hard one, isn't it? Because as fans, we get frustrated, we get angry, we get disappointed, and you know we're we're struggling at the moment to kind of. I guess it, it, the point I keep going back to about the the system change, I think that's made it harder for me in the last few weeks to to continue to not criticize him at all because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, had you played in that way still. Yes, you would have got the odd groan here and there about the lack of creativity, about the fact that we're not scoring goals freely. But he could always have that comeback of saying, yes, fine, but I've come here and my first port of call is to make us resilient, is to make us hard to beat. And having done that to a degree, and and you mentioned at the top of the programme some excellent results that we've got um, against some of the bigger sides under Mikel Arteta, he, he always had that that argument, you know, he always had that credit in the bank because he's not only picking up those results, but he's he's fixing an issue that has been prevalent at Arsenal for years and years and years. But to then sh- drift away from that is, is the problem, I think. And I think that's why in this last few weeks, a lot of people have moved to the Arteta out camp. I, for the record, think it's way too early to be shouting Mikel Arteta out. I think it's, it's not helpful. It's adding an additional pressure that we don't need. Um, and I, I wish that sometimes supporters would just be supporters and, and do exactly what the word says and support the team. And, you know, it's easy to be an armchair manager. It's easy to sit here behind a microphone and, and fix all of Arsenal's problems. But the reality is that we were left in an absolute mess by Unai Emery. You could argue we were left in a mess by Arsene Wenger. But for me, it got worse under Unai Emery. I thought that the fact that we got to a Europa League final was a little bit of a red herring. Um because the way we collapsed at the end of Emery's first season and the way we started the second season was was as bad as I've seen from Arsenal ever. So, you know, for me, let's uh, understand the magnitude of the task. Let's understand what a big job this is that Mikel Arteta has on his hands. And we know that Arsenal plan to move players out the door in the summer, but we also know that the, a lot of those moves didn't come to fruition. Why? Because nobody wants to buy those players. Add to that, the fact that we've had a global pandemic and it has had an impact on not just us financially, but other clubs being able to buy some of the players that we want to get rid of. There are just a lot of factors that we've got to take into account. You know, we talk about him being here for a year now almost. Well, three months of that year were spent in lockdown as well. So it hasn't actually been a year. So, you know, there's so many things you've got to take into account when judging the job he's doing at this moment in time. And we have to accept the players aren't good enough. We have to accept that the leadership upstairs hasn't always been good enough. And we have to accept it's going to take time to turn this ship around. Arsenal's a big ship. You don't just turn it around straight away. It's going to take time. Um, Let's have a look at what some of you guys are saying in the live comments as well. 
um big hello to barry big hello to the rest of you guys uh, in there william says hi harry even if we get a creative midfielder in january is arteta capable of playing expansive football with his micromanaging and suffocating approach james do you see it like that do you see Mikel arteta as a micromanager do you think that he tries to, to orchestrate things a little bit too much and that in the end handicaps people yeah, I think it's an interesting point, a really good one as well. I think, uh, I don't know if you've looked back in the past at James McNicholas' Gunner blog, um, he was mentioning when he was in the stadium, he could actually hear Arteta shouting instructions at, at individuals. And that is a huge problem because it doesn't allow players to play with freedom and creativity, which I think is also a huge problem as to why we're not scoring goals because players can't do things off the cuff. They can't do things creatively. Uh, if they're being told where to play a pass, where where to play a certain ball, it's um, it, it's stifling, and you can't really have that if you want to play expressive, expansive football. And that's you know the great thing about the Invincibles because uh, you know we're talking 15, 16 years ago, but the likes of Freddie Lundberg, Robert Perez, Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp created things without even thinking about it. They they played as if they didn't even have their brain switched on. They played, I mean, in a good way, like they played as if. They, they didn't have to think about what they were doing. They just let their feet do the talking for them. Um, as right now, I feel we've got players that can do that. I feel like Pepe is one of those players. And I feel like Party is one of those players. And I feel like Reese Nelson is one of those players as well. The same for Bakayo Saka. So we've got a lot of players that can do things without necessarily needing someone in their ear telling them what to do. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's a great point by William. And I think it's certainly one that is very, very relevant. You can't, you can't micromanage in real life, in my opinion. You certainly can't micromanage in football. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Strupa K says, get Sari in and save this club. Absolutely pathetic football from a manager who has no clue. I think that's a little bit harsh. And uh, considering when Sari was in the Premier League, everybody wanted him out. Uh, Chelsea fans included, despite him actually having a decent season. I'm, I'm surprised you've gone with Sari as the solution. Um, lots of people in the chat saying that uh, Ozil, the GOAT, uh, free Mesut Ozil. James, where do you stand on this whole Mesut Ozil situation? I know it feels like we've talked about it to death. I know it feels a little bit boring, but would you agree that with every week that passes and Arsenal struggle to create, the noises get louder and actually the club are looking more and more silly for, for what's going on? I think it's a real... Um situation to, to where we're clutching at straws really with Mesut Ozil. I don't think Ozil makes us a better team at the minute. I don't think we win that game last night. I don't think we win the game against Villa. I don't think we win against Leeds. I don't think we win against Leicester because Mesut Ozil's in the side. Okay, let me, put, let me put a different spin on it. Do you think that the treatment of Mesut Ozil has upset the squad? Because we know he's a very popular figure in the dressing room. We know he's got personal relationships with all of the players. He's close with a lot of the players. Do you think that the the whole situation, maybe he doesn't necessarily make us a better team on the pitch. I think he does. Um, it's fine that you don't, but do you think that the, the, the way the whole situation is unfolding, it has left a bad taste with the rest of the squad. Do you think some of them are looking on thinking what on earth is going here, going on here? Sorry. Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, just to clarify, no, I do think Ozil is a very good player. And if you add him into the team, we will break more, more chances. I just think from the goals that we've conceded recently and the way we're playing, I, I, I still don't think we win those games. Um, unfortunately, mm -hmm. I, I just think uh, I, I've Ozil playing in these type of games. I, 
he's not always as much as we think he's the man that plays the killer ball. And yeah, he does sometimes, but it's not, it's not always been the case. He can very easily be stifled out of games, as has been the problem with sometimes his it's about sometimes it's about him giving us that rhythm, though, isn't it? Like a metronome just ticking away, and and the way yeah, he moves the ball, over, sometimes yeah. it helps. Yeah, I mean, and if you add him into the midfield with Jacker, Party, and Erzy, I mean, that looks pretty tasty on paper. Um, but I think, I, going back to your original point, leaving him out of the squad is one of the worst decisions this club has ever made. It is absolutely barbaric what they've done with him because, you know, there's no way you can... He's not old either. He's 32 years old. Um, you know, he's coming into the twilight of his career, but you know, by modern standards, players can easily play into the mid-30s. And I think when you're looking at a team that is devoid of creativity and you've got someone like him available to you, one of the best number 10s in the past decade... To have him frozen out of the squad is mental. And the fact he's not played since, what, March? Like, he's played, he's missed an, almost an entire year of his career. And he's going to miss 18 months of football, pretty much. And who's going to want him again in his contract after this? It's crazy. And I don't know what the situation is there. And um, I, I, there's no way I'm falling for what Mikel Arteta has said about it being for footballing reasons. Because yeah. it's absolutely, abundantly not. You do not leave a player of his quality out especially a player that has got such um, good morale within the team. that They've done very good things for this team as well. Let's not forget that. Um, and a player that, you know, when you're looking at your 25-man squad, you've got to be on there. He's your number 10. Um, and he's the highest paid player at the club. I don't know if that's still the case with Aubameyang's new contract, but he's still top earner at the club. And the fact that he's you know doing 90 minutes of training every day, going home, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's, Why you wouldn't the put thing, him in the squad, I don't know. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean... You don't mind him not necessarily being in the starting eleven every single week, but to sit there and, and look at some of the players on that list that are there, and you know, no matter what you say, Joe Willock is in a better number ten than Messi as well. This in his current form, you know, Alexander Lacazette playing there in the Europa League that isn't a better option than Messi Özil playing there, and and that's the issue, isn't it? And I feel like a lot of a lot of Arsenal fans, I know, look, there's obviously something going on behind the scenes. The club don't want to let it out. They don't want to let the cat out of the bag. They're not going to come out front up and tell us exactly what's gone on. But the fact that Mikel's been so adamant and said, it's my decision, it's solely a footballing decision. I think that's scored him negative points with some of the fans. And when I talk about Mikel Arteta's management, I disagree with some of the footballing decisions, but I also think the way he's gone after certain players. For example, Ozil, the fact that I, look, I thought Genduzi did have a bit of an attitude problem. I thought that he was slightly overrated, um, a little bit ill-disciplined at times, not just in terms of his attitude, but in terms of his positioning. But when you looked at that Arsenal midfield last night, are you saying that he couldn't do a job? Of course he could. So uh, what the point I was kind of originally on was that I feel like some of the actions mess it's taken towards certain players another one very popular in the dressing room Socrates people don't think he's good enough he probably isn't but another one who always gave an exemplary attitude I thought at the very least has been frozen out so do you think that this combination of things has led to some of the other players looking at Mikel and going what are you doing mate yeah absolutely now I think even from a standpoint of um you know, just looking at it from a friendship point of view, you know, there are a lot of players that I'm sure are very close friends with myself. So they're just thinking, exactly, what is yeah. going on here? Why? Um, it's not fair the way he's being treated. Now, I, 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 I would, you know, I would happily lose a finger to know what has gone on behind the scenes because it is so perplexing. It is so strange. And I don't know if it goes back to, um, you know, the the stuff he, he mentioned about China a year ago. Now. Um, 
but I, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it. I think it's it's probably a little bit deeper than that because I remember he was on the bench for some of the games after lockdown, yeah. um, and then he just completely just out of blue got frozen out. I don't know if the, the club have said, "Look, we want you to move on," and he's just said no. Um, if, it, if if it's just something as simple as that, and we've just now downright refused to play him, which is really petty if that is the case. But it, I wouldn't put it past Arsenal doing that. Um, yeah, I think it's a real shame what's happened there because he is a player of quality. He is a player that at this moment in time could offer something to this squad. And it's interesting you mentioned Guendouzi because as much as we were so frustrated by him at times last season, I think we're in a point now where we need players to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And if you remember when we were, I think, 2-0 down to Villa with 10 men um, last yeah. season and we basically won that game because of Guendouzi. Uh, there are other players as well that were fantastic. But the Did North London Derby last season as well, he yeah, was excellent exactly. in the second half. Yeah, when we're chasing a game and when we're we're looking to create something, he will run himself into the ground. Love him or hate him, he will run his socks off in those sorts of games and try to make things happen. And he's more creative than people give him credit for. He does create opportunities. Um, he's not the man we need at the minute, um, but he's a player that would give us another option. And when you're looking at you know, Sabayos that's not doing anything really, Jacker that's dividing opinion massively and uh, Joe Willock that's just out of his depth in the Premier League. The, best. Um, the fact that we've, we've let him go and we've frozen Maza Ozu out, it leaves us in a really, really sticky situation. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Totally agree. Uh, don't forget, guys, if you're watching us live, smash that like button, uh, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to 90 Min as well. Um, Keep supporting the channel. It is very, very much appreciated. Uh, let's have a look at what some of you guys are saying in the live comments. Um, I asked why Streeper went for Sari. He says he plays attractive football, not boring 19th century Park the Bus Sam Allardyce football. Some would argue that that's maybe why Sari hasn't um, hasn't won as much as he probably should have. Um, I, I love the way his teams play football, but Sari, I'm not 100% sure. I wasn't 100% sure on Sari when he got the Chelsea job. Um, he went to Juventus, won the league with Juventus, but I think me or James was in the league with Juventus, given the, the dominance they've shown in the last few years. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure he would be the answer. Uh, Geo Knight says, trade Xhaka for Ericsson, loan Isco with option to buy, sell Laka, Bellerin, Kalasinac, Mustafi, Socrates for whatever we can get. I don't know about the loan Isco thing. I feel like it would just be like another temporary solution and it's just money down the toilet, like for me. I mean, he's, I don't know. I feel a bit like that with, I felt like we needed to bring Sabios back because we were so short in midfield, having let Genduzi and Torreira go. But, you know, these loan deals are not ideal. You know, we're not a, we're not a championship club. We're not a bottom of the table Premier League. Well, we are currently, but you know what I mean? We shouldn't be at the level where we're having to loan players to get us through difficult periods for me. It's just the, the way I feel. Maybe I'm being a football snob. I don't know. Um, Robin says, evening, Harry, to answer the question in the title. I think he means the title. The players are to blame. Uh, James, to finish off, I mean, I feel like it is a combination of issues at the moment. The, the, the problem stems from the top. I don't think that the manager's doing a, a particularly great job at the moment. I think he can, given the time, do a good job. But right now, he's not quite there. I think he's missing something. I think the players are underperforming. It's very difficult for me to pin the blame on one person or one group of people. Do you feel the same or is there somebody or some group of players that's, or of people, I should say, that stands out to you and you think that's the problem? 
No, it's, it's the same as you. I think it's it's a collective, but I also am just massively confused by the situation. I still can't look back to, can't help but look back to the way we played towards the end of last season and the, the good football we played and the way we were raving about players like Danny Sabahs and we were kind of practically begging for him to stay at some points. And now he's just a completely different player. It doesn't look like he's capable of creating anything for us. I think um, the players are showing their more poor signs, I think, especially... Um, in terms of attitude as well. And I think that's been a problem at Arsenal for a long time as well. We've got players that sulk a little bit. And I think Aubameyang's guilty of that as well. I think uh, there, there was some very half-hearted efforts from him in that game last night. I understand he's visibly frustrated. Um, I don't think he works through the middle necessarily. Not when you've got the players around him who can't really create for him. Um, and that's what I liked about him on the left. Because when Lacazette does play well, he really does bring Aubameyang into the game and get the best out of him. Uh, which is um, so crucial to the way we've played in, in the past couple of years. But that's just not working for us at the minute. And the worrying thing I've got with Arteta is that he is, I don't want to say falling into the trap that Emery fell into, but he is tinkering with things maybe perhaps a little bit too much. If you remember with Emery, he was changing formations, changing team lineups on a weekly basis. And um, that's kind of what's happening with Arteta a little bit. You know, we've moved a Bamiyang into the middle. We've moved to a back four. Um, we don't really know what team is going to line up every single week. We don't have any solid base building at the minute. And uh, I don't think we can say it's, it's, you know, the people higher up that are the problem at the minute. I think, um, you know, that's been an issue in the past. But the fact is they're investing in the squads, whether that's the right investment or not, is their personal discretion. But we've bought Pepe, we've bought Party. Um, this, these, these look like owners to me that are interested and invested in getting this team to a very good level. Um so I can't put too much of the blame on them. But yeah, uh, I think Arteta is making mistakes, as I think we all expected him to. And football is a very fast-paced game that we're all very impatient to see success in. Um, and it's going to take time. You know, if we beat Spurs and we beat them well at the weekend, all is forgiven. All is, all is forgiven. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Agree 100%. Uh, James, we're going to leave it there, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. How can uh, people uh, give you a follow on social media and keep up with your... Uh, your Arsenal views. Yeah, if you want to see um, a tirade of horrible Arsenal tweets during basically any match <laughs> of the minute, you can follow me on Twitter at JECook96. Brilliant stuff. Don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. This podcast is also available on all major podcast stores. Make sure you check out 90 Min as well, and we'll be back tomorrow with more Arsenal content. Until then, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.